Today's reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, O oh God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows. His face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give mercy. Forgive me, a sinner. Jesus commented, This tax man, not the other, went home, made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will be more than yourself. This is the word of the Lord. God. Please be seated. Hi, I'm Jeff M., and I'm a sinner. Now, in 12-step groups, usually people respond by saying, Hi, Jeff. So, hi, I'm Jeff M., I'm a sinner. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel much more at home. And uh, like I'm among sinners. It's good to be among sinners, huh? You know, sin is such a bloated term, and, and people have such baggage with guilt and shame and about all that stuff. I came across a definition from the third century Christian church which I find delightful. It's in your uh, ministry opportunities. It is from St. Gregory of Nyssa, who lived in the 4th century. He defines sin as the refusal to keep growing. Mm, That's good. The refusal to keep growing. Think of all of the occasions in our lives where We just refuse to keep growing because things are changing too fast or we don't like the changes that are happening or circumstances have made us so afraid that we just cannot accept any change at all and so we kind of get stuck in not growing. It's a wonderful and open-ended understanding of sin and we followers of Jesus are saints but we are also sinners because there are times where we just refuse to grow. And we refuse to change. And that's just part of our human dynamic. Some of the hot sins that you just thought about, yeah, we've got those too. But the church is not a place for pure people. By the way, there are none. There's no one without sin. So we can cut ourselves some slack. This is a place where we can come and not have it all together. This is a place where we can come and not have it all buttoned up. This is a place where we can come and be honest with ourselves that we've got so much still in our lives that's just broken, not working, not helpful. And it's okay to be here. And it's okay to be among friends who are also 
struggling with this and trying as best as we can to be community, to be faithful followers of Jesus. You know, I remember a sermon from a, a, a mentor of mine, Jim White, and he, he once preached a sermon. This was reflecting on that book in the 70s. Do you remember the book, I'm Okay, You're Okay? Okay, so the, 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 the Christian interpretation of that is, I'm not okay, you're not okay, and that's okay. That's what grace is about. I'm not okay, you're not okay. It's okay. You know that um, for some reason, Christians have this reputation of being judgmental, that we're the ones in the media and we're the ones out there that are shaking their fingers at those who are doing something wrong. And that's really so sad because it's not who Jesus called us to be. Maybe those Christians worship a judgmental God, and because they worship a judgmental God, they become judgmental Christians. Followers of Jesus, if we are listening to what Jesus is saying, is God is love. And the God of love calls us to be loving Christians. But that sometimes is not always the reputation that Christians have. So you can believe me when I told you I was greatly dismayed when I saw on on a church's Facebook page, a church in our conference, it had a headline. 50 reasons why it's okay to hate certain groups and certain people. Lord have mercy. So I, I clicked on it to find out just what these crazy reasons could possibly be. And it had one through 50. Number one, blank. Number two, blank. Three, blank. All the way down to 50, blank. There is no reason that Christians should hate or dislike any group or any people. And I thought, what a clever way to get me to be upset by the headline and to realize there's no reason Christians can justify hatred or dislike of anybody. Do you know that Jesus only had problems with people who thought they were righteous? Check it out on this. Look at your scriptures. The only people Jesus had a problem with were those who thought they were right. Those who thought they were wrong, Jesus had no problem with them. In fact, proclaimed good news to them. But those who, were th who thought they were right and righteous, Jesus always went after them, always pressed them on what being faithful really is. And so it is in that context that we hear the scripture that Kate read to us this morning from Luke. Jesus tells the story of two men going to pray. A good thing. Two men going to pray, going to worship in the temple where they could remember that they are ultimately gods, where they could remember that ultimately to be in the flow of love, they needed to worship, to be in the flow of God's grace, they needed to worship, to be uh, faithful, they needed to go with other people of faith and pray, to tap into this mystery, to remind each other and themselves that life is more than just what we see that there is a mystical element to this and that God has created us as mystical people, people of prayer, a good thing. Two men go to pray, but they pray in very different places in the temple 
and in very different ways. The Pharisee, who was kind of a religious authority, said, God, I thank you that I'm not like those terrible people over there, and especially like that tax collector. I thank you that I pray, I fast, I keep the Sabbath holy, all these things which are good. But do you see that the Pharisee was trusting in himself? He was trusting in what he did. Some call that works righteousness. That we are justified by our works. One of the, one of the mistakes he makes is he doesn't trust God. He trusts himself. The tax collector, on the other hand, is feeling terrible about his job and his work and his career choice. To be a tax collector is not an easy life. And it, they, like, they shake down people for collecting money. And they have people who work with them who shake down people, mostly poor people, to make money to send to Rome. So you can imagine how popular the tax collector would be just walking into the temple. People probably wanted to stay far away from him. So he prays, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He doesn't even look up. He beats his breast, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says to those who are hearing this parable, he's the one who gets it. The religious authority guy doesn't get it. It's the tax collector who says, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's the one who actually is the most faithful. And so I close with this, a, a challenge, if you will. Is there an election happening soon? <laughs> Do you ever feel yourself watching the news, watching the debates, watching the spin, and either getting angry and yelling at the TV? Do you ever find yourself um, convincing yourself, like I do, that my politics are right and their politics are wrong? If you ever fall into that righteousness trap, let me give you something that may help you, not in your politics, but in your spiritual life. When you find yourself convinced your candidate is right and the other candidate is wrong, I would invite you to say the words of the tax collector. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's hard for us to say that. It's humiliating for us to say that because we like to be right. Jesus never told us to be right. Jesus never told us it's important to be right. He told us to be humble to be loving, even of those with whom we disagree. Would you repeat after me? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, I feel less alone now. It might be good to practice that as we're watching this election unfold. It might also allow us to realize that we're all human beings. We're all in need of God's mercy. I close with this. It's a reflection from Steve Garnis Holmes, a United Methodist pastor in New England conference. There is no deserving. There is only belovedness. 
There is no being right. There is only being open. Faith is not certainty. It is reaching out. Merciful one, I come not by merit, but by your love. I open myself to your mercy, not in deserving, but in wonder and gratitude. I am not righteous. I am loved. I am not bad or rotten. I am in need of your mercy. For all my sin, you offer mercy. For all my accomplishments, you offer mercy. Merciful one, I need you. I trust you. With empty hands wide open, I turn to you for mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen.